A scripture that was read came from Genesis, the 11th chapter, and verse 1 through 9. The text reads as thus. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. One of the struggles that we face as human beings is the tendency to cling to the familiar. Quite often when we are confronted with change or with challenges in our lives, we gravitate to what we already know and are comfortable with. And we do this in order to resist our perception of losing something that we may consider necessary to maintaining our status, our lifestyle, or even our reputation. Well, Ron Heifetz, Harvard professor, in his book Leadership on the Line, said these words, people don't fear change, they fear loss. And so whenever anything comes along that appears to threaten our sense of stability, we tend to resist it, clinging to the familiar out of fear that we might lose something important to us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is with this mindset that I want to take a look at our text that was just read as we celebrate the birth of the church on this day known as Pentecost. And to see how God dealt with a people that wanted to cling to the familiar of what they think that they know. And so I'll be speaking today from the subject, the great scattering. The great scattering. As I said before, today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is actually a, a Greek name for a festival known in the Old Testament as the Feast of Weeks. The word Pentecost actually means 50, and so it refers to the 50 days that passed since the offering of Passover. So Passover, as you all recall, was when there was a celebration of what God had done. We've come now to the time of Pentecost. It was a foreshadow of what God was intending to do. Now, here's what's interesting about Pentecost. The book of Joel and the book of Acts, they actually tell us something about this day of Pentecost. In Joel's prophecy, the book of Joel, Joel prophesied these words. And he said, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men 
will see visions. That was the prophets, the prophecy of Joel in the second chapter and the 28th verse. But then we get to the book of Acts. And Jesus' last words before his ascension into heaven, which we find in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, very familiar to this church. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So between Joel 2 and Acts 1, we have two situations where God promises to pour out his Holy Spirit. And not only will your sons and your daughters prophesy, not only will your old and your young men dream dreams and visions, but they will also be witnesses in Mount Vernon, the continental United States, and to the uttermost parts of the world. This is what God has promised that would happen. So now we get to the second chapter in the book of Acts. And we're told that when they were all gathered together in an upper room, suddenly, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And watch this, and began to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Brothers and sisters, the event in the upper room on the day of Pentecost signaled the beginning of this dispensation that we call the church age. And from that point on, you and I know that the gospel of Jesus Christ has now been spread all over the world ever since that day of Pentecost. So the prophecies of Joel and of Acts have been Fulfilled since God did pour out his spirit and God is still pouring out his spirit to this very day. And God is still giving people visions and God is still giving dreams. But the peace of the fulfillment of the prophecy that attracts my attention is not only where it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit as Joel promised but where it says they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. See, the reason why this was intriguing to me about this miraculous event at Pentecost was that there was another event in biblical history where they were visited by the Holy Spirit and had a similar result of speaking in other tongues. We know this to be what? Genesis, the 11th chapter that was read earlier. Now, if you recall, as a quick background, after God had destroyed the world by a flood, the descendants of Noah lived in a part of the Middle East called, called Mesopotamia. And then they all spoke one common language. And as the population grew, the people decide now they're going to build a tall, proud symbol in a plain called Shinar to show how great their nation had become. These descendants of Noah wanted a tower that they said would what? Reach heaven so that they could be like God. Now let me set this up for you so you will know where I'm going. And I hope that I can hold on to your attention. Recall that I said to you that one of the struggles we face as human beings is a tendency to cling to the familiar, to, to, to hold on to what we know. Whenever change and challenges and struggles come, we don't want to move when God says move. We want to hold on 
to what we think we know and to what we understand. And when we do this, we resist the pressure to change because we are fearful of what we do not know. We want to maintain our status and our lifestyles and our reputation. We don't often think of it this way, but the moment you begin to feel like you have something of value to show for yourself, or that you have accomplished something that you revere, and then you believe that there's a possibility that you might lose that thing, you embark on a mission to build a tower. The tower, brothers and sisters, is the proverbial big head. It's always being built as a form of expression of self-aggrandizement. Look how good I am. These people who think they know more than God decide to build their own little towers, which is nothing more than an opportunity to idolize their own selves and their own accomplishments. You all know what I'm talking about. Some people, they get a degree from school, and they become so happy that they think they're better than others who don't have a degree. You are building a tower. You got some people who get an appointment or even a promotion and become so happy that they start to lord it over other people. They are building a tower. How about, how about some people when their child does well in school? Now, you're going to know this. They become so happy that all of a sudden the parents want to know what the other children got so they can compare. You're building a tower. You get the point. But the most interesting thing about this tower that they're building is that it's also, hear me, brothers and sisters, a picture of the church. Churches, as you know, are God's instrument for offering people a means to learn and to grow spiritually as they praise a God who seeks persons to worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Bible tells us that the Father seeketh such to worship him. However, the church, like many institutions that have been around for many years, have become a place where people come in. And as they find peace and hope and comfort and joy for themselves, they begin to develop different viewpoints and ideas about God and the devil and heaven and hell or how they think the church should function just to suit their own ideas and their own beliefs. Over time, these ideas and these beliefs, beliefs become so familiar that they tend to get stuck in people's psyche and what they believe is true about the church is what they think church is all about. But brothers and sisters, let me be very clear to you. If you've been coming to this church any number of times and any number of years, you will know that I stand in this pulpit and I am more antagonistic to the church than anything else. Why? Because I want you to understand that our being here does not mean that there is anything good or great or better about us than other people. It means that we have recognized that we're nothing more than sinners saved by the grace of God. When you start to get to the place where you feel that you are deserving of anything from God, then I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, you're building a tower. These kinds of mindsets cause people to have disputes and skirmishes. And here's what's interesting. When people start to build a tower, listen what they said in the text. That They said, let us do this. You see, when you start to build your own tower, you can't always build a tower by yourself. So now you've got to get yourself a coalition of others. 
to help you to build this tower. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I want you to understand that spiritual things are spiritually discerned and things aren't always as they seem. So people want to build a tower with everyone who agrees with them so they can co-sign their foolishness. But I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, God is not mocked. And whatsoever you sow, that you shall reap. The text tells us that God did not like the pride and the arrogance and the ignorance in the hearts of the people. So God caused the people to suddenly speak in different languages, which caused so much confusion that it became impossible for them to communicate and to work together to continue to build their tower. But I want us to look more closely at the text because I believe there are some things in the text that you all, we all can learn. The text says in verse 1, listen carefully, brothers and sisters. The text says, now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, as they build their coalition, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They used bricks for stone and tar for mortar. They said, come, as they build their coalition, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we may be scattered all over the face of the earth. The key statements that I want us to find is found in verse 4. Verse 4, let me show you what it says. First, in verse 4, they aim to build a city. They aim to build a tower. They aim to make a name. And they aim to not be scattered. Out of verse 4 that I just read, these are the aims, the four aims that these people had who's building their tower, who think they know more than God. Watch carefully. They aim to build a city. They aim to build a tower. They aim to make a name. And they aim to not be scattered. According to a theologian that I admire by the name of John Piper, he, he, he says the first two points actually correspond to the second two points. In the first statement, the building of a city, he said, is a way that they would avoid being scattered all over the earth. If I build a city and get a whole bunch of people to co-sign with my foolishness, the likelihood that I'm going to be able to stay in that city, we won't be spread out. We can stay together and continue to do what we've always done. To build a city means they don't want to be scattered. The, the, the second thing was they were going to do what? Build a tower. Now, now, the tower is built within the city that they built, which means they, they, they wanted to now build the city and to build a tower. But here's how it relates to the other two. Because they want to build a tower to do what? To make a name for themselves. You see, stay with me, church. The first one was they aimed to build a city so that they would not be scattered in the fourth statement. And they built a tower to make a name for themselves. That's how they relate. So the city and the tower were outward expressions of their inward sin. <laughs> You're going to see it. The second two statements, to make a name, 
for yourself is a way of saying that I love to be praised. You see the sin? To make a name for yourself means I want and I desire to be praised and recognized. I want to build a tower to myself so that people will see how wonderful and how great and how awesome I am. I can make a name for myself so I build a tower. But, 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 but the city that they build is what I had said before was that they wanted now security. Brothers and sisters, the two great sins in the text is for you seeking your own security, thinking you can take care of yourself better than God. And the second sin is that you want to make a name for yourself, which means that you desire praise. So when you think you can take care of yourself better than God, you build a city. And when you think that you want to be praised, you build a tower. See what's going on. And God saw this. And God was not pleased. Now, 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 let me make this more illustrative for you so that you get it. To build a city is to perpetuate a false sense of security. My brothers and my sisters, you are not where you are today because you were so good. You are where you are today and you have what you have because God has been so great. Amen. So you want to build a false sense of security. But within that city of your false sense of security, you are so fragile in your emotion that you build now this city, this coalition of people who's going to co-sign your foolishness. So within that city, you build a tower. And that tower is where you look for self-praise. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You want to put your name on every building. So you want to build a city. People around you that will say, yes, you're the best. Yes, you're so good. Yes, you are wonderful. You build a city so that you can erect a tower so you can be praised. There is nothing new under the sun, my brothers and my sisters. And I know that you're laughing because you see it says Trump Tower. The tower is not there by accident because what were they building in Babel? A tower. So I want you all to see that while we can laugh at the self-praise of the tower, it's worse when you don't recognize it in yourself. I humble myself before God every Sunday because I'm telling you that this is not easy work. I was satisfied where I was, but God knew what he was doing, and I had no idea the challenge it would bring. But you're worth it. You're worth it. So, so, so God's will for us is that we find our joy not in being praised, but that we find our joy in praising him. God's will is not that we find our security in the cities that we build, but that we find our security in a God who says he'll never leave us and he will never forsake us. You don't have to worry about tomorrow because you know who holds tomorrow. So, so, so it is here, according to John Piper, that, that he says, even after the flood, which was, a, in his words, a thunderclap of warning against sin for Noah and his descendants, it turns out that we today 
are no better after the flood than we were before the flood. Listen, my brothers and my sisters, I'm, I want this to be really clear. I'm not saying you're bad people. I'm not saying we are bad people. We make mistakes, and I pray all the time for God to forgive us. Do I not? But what I'm telling you is that we want to get to the place where we are aware of when we are building our cities and when we are erecting our towers. You see, from the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we continue to decide for ourselves what we think is best for us, separate and apart from God. We think we can rise up and build cities and towers constructed from, watch this, the brick and mortars of disobedience, the brick and mortars of contempt, the brick and mortars of a lack of respect for authority, the brick and mortars for idolatry, the brick and mortars of self-aggrandizement, the brick and mortars of slander, the brick and mortars of covetousness, the brick and mortars of hatred, of envy, of jealousy, the brick and the mortars of false witnessing. All in an effort to claim the place of God. This is the sad story of mankind to this day. And separate and apart from God's redeeming grace, we are without hope. So my brothers, the Tower of Babel is a reminder to us that by not being willing to depend on God and exercising faith in Him and His words, by, by trying to seek security through our own means, by looking for praise and adoration from people simply because we think we have a little accomplishment, then we have opened up ourselves to the same judgment that Jesus spoke in Luke 10 and 18 when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This too will be our fate if you keep building your cities and your towers to yourselves. The most obvious evidence of these towers is seen when people think that they deserve something that they believe they have earned. We call this the entitlement spirit. And let me be crystal clear to you here in this church. I want to be crystal clear. I, me, standing right here, I can boast that I have more degrees than a thermometer. I, I, I can boast that I have worked hard and have major accomplishments in my life that would shock you if you knew some of them. I can boast that I've been places and sat with leaders of major corporations and companies. I can boast that I've made decisions that involve multi-million dollars. I can boast that I've signed contracts and opened doors of opportunities for people that you can't even imagine. And yet, I still feel an overwhelming sense of unworthiness for the role of serving as an oracle and a mouthpiece for God in this church. So I can hear the Apostle Paul when he says in Philippians 3, verse 1 through 14, hear my heart, church. Paul says, my brothers and my sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, the children of faith, who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. 
Watch this. Paul says, though I myself, this is Paul, have reason for such confidence. You see, I love the Apostle Paul. Paul, Paul listen, Paul goes on further to say this. You've got to hear Paul. Paul says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, meaning if someone else thinks that they got, they got it going on, Paul says, ha, I have more. Paul says, listen, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul is saying, listen, I got my pedigree. He says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Paul says, in regards to the law, if you want to bring the law to me, Paul says, hey, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, watch this, if you think you got more zeal than me, I persecuted the church. Paul says, listen, as for righteousness based on the law, listen, I am faultless. That's Paul. But Paul goes on to say, but whatever were gains to me. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. <laughs> Paul says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Y'all not hearing Paul. Paul says, I consider them garbage. All of my degrees and my education and all that, I consider them garbage, Paul says, that I may gain Christ oh, and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, 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 Paul in verse 12, and I, I, I'm getting ready to close here, but Paul says, watch this, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to, to, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. So to put this in its proper perspective, I hope y'all are getting this in your spirit. To put this in proper perspective, we serve a jealous God. And you will be wise to take stock of what you build. So the question is, church, what city and what tower are you building? Now let me get back to the text. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they begin to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad and there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. So here's the point. One, they wanted to make a name for themselves. And two, they did not want to be scattered. Are we clear? They wanted to make a name for themselves, and they did not want to be scattered. They did not want to be scattered, so they built a city. And they wanted a name for themselves, so they built a tower. These are the two things that they wanted. They wanted praise and security. Are we clear, right? So God did what? He confused their language which in essence is he broke up their cliques and he spread them out all over the earth. The very things that they wanted to prevent with their building of their city and their tower is the very thing that happened. 
But what does this have to do with Pentecost, Pastor? Well, on the day of Pentecost, he poured out his spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Furthermore, God says they would receive power and be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So what's the difference? In Genesis 11, God visited the descendants of Noah and gave them different languages. Yet, in Acts 2, God visited the people in the upper room and also gave them different languages. So what's the difference? Let me ask the question another way again. At the Tower of Babel, God went down and he gave them different languages, which caused them to be confused. On the day of Pentecost, in the upper room, God visited them and gave them different languages. What's the difference? So I thought about this and I said, God, you got to give me something because it looks like you did the same thing. And God says, read the text carefully. So I read the text carefully. Yeah. Right, Ken? Because that's what he said to do. But, but let's be clear. In Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel, God said, let us go what? Visit them. So the Holy Spirit went, gave them different languages. Yeah. In the upper room, it said the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind. So the same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that gave them different languages. But it seems like God didn't like that, but God liked this. So I said to myself, God, what's the difference? He says, read the text. So I went back to the text. I looked carefully in the text. And I said, okay, God, what's the difference? He said, you got both groups. And the Spirit visited both groups. And the Spirit gave them utterances, both groups. But only one group was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? Only one group was filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you really speak one language despite having many tongues. <laughs> you speak the language of the kingdom of God. And since God is a God of decency and order, and since in him there is no confusion at all, then when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't lead to your own understanding. You let God direct your path. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't worry about security because you walk by faith and not by sight. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it says you don't seek the praise of men, for if you do, you will have already received your reward. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And God will give you dreams and visions. But beyond all of that, here is the best part. When God visited the sons of Noah and he confused their language, hear me, Nefti, the, the, the people were scattered and the city and the tower that they were building stopped. Hear me clearly. <laughs> Y'all are going to see this. When God visited the sons of Noah and confused their language and gave them other tongues, the people were scattered, and the city and the tower that they were building stopped. But when God visited you and me, he first set up his own city. 
And this city that he built, he set up on a hill that cannot be hid. And in that city, that city on a hill stood a tower. And, and that tower, which we know to be, is the old rugged cross. The emblem of sin and shame. And, and, and on that cross, as Jesus bled and died, it stood as a tower, watch this, whose top reached into heaven and made the name of Jesus a name above every other name. A name at which, at, the, at that name, every knee shall bow. And watch this, every what? Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And when he gave up the ghost and he said, it is finished, we who believe were scattered abroad the face of the whole earth as witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. This is why I call it the great scattering. The scattering in Genesis 11 stopped the tower that they were building from reaching heaven. But the tower of the cross reached heaven and caused a great scattering. <laughs> no matter what language or tongue you speak, if you call on the one name of Jesus, then you speak the language of the kingdom of God. And finally, the praise that Jesus receives from all the languages is more beautiful because of its diversity that it would have, that, that it would have been if there were only one language and one people to sing. So in Revelation, the fifth chapter, the ninth through the tenth verse, it says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. In, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and behold the Lamb, clothed in white, with, with palm branches in their hand and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. John Piper says it was the spectacular sin on the plains of Shinar by the sons of Noah that gave birth to all these multiplicity of languages, but it ends in the most glorious praise with all the languages praising God. The Bible says, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. So I want you to see the great scattering. What the devil meant for evil, God will always turn around for our good. And you need to understand that no matter what language you speak, whatever tongue you think that you've got, the only language that matters is the language of the kingdom of God. And it's the only language that matters no matter what you speak. Patois, Creole, English, French, Japanese, German, Mandarin, I could care less what you speak. But if anyone calls on the name of Jesus, for on that hill far away stood that tower, that tower of the cross which reached and bridged earth and heaven. You see, what they were building at the Tower of Babel was actually a nice idea. They just didn't know 
that they couldn't build it. For it's only built on nothing less than on Jesus' blood and on his righteousness. So as we all stand, I hope that you, you've got a word and a message. That your security doesn't come from you. And praise to you profits you nothing. But it's only what God does that matters. So if you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart for yourself, then today is a great day and a wonderful day to give him your life. If that is you and you're here today, won't you come now as you feel so led in Jesus' name.